Now Lonnie Finley's his name Vince Eustace is his This is hip hop And movie news And And that's that's the the way way it is Dirty Dozen, 80 of us, Shady Brothers, ladies love us That's right, Dirty Dozen, we are up to episode 12 of the podcast, bringing you everything from Tinseltown to the Boogie Down, the home of the real hip-hop, spelled R-E-E-L, the extra E equals MC, you squares, because this is the home of MCing, the home of thespians. This is Hip Hop and Movie News. I am Vince Eustace. I'm Lonnie Finley. Kind of twisted me up there with the words. That was very impressive. <laughs> well, some of that was stolen to... from Black Thought. The the MC and Thespian rhymes right, that I got from him. But you still were able to you know do a really good job. I, I try and push myself every week. Uh, we are without producer extraordinaire Patrick Bier again this week. He is working on a sequel script to The Air Up There. Yeah. It's his passion project. He's very secretive about it. Won't I, let us know what's going on. I've actually uh, reached out to. Uh, I'm hoping to say his name's right. Uh, Charles. Gatona Mania, oh. uh, the co-star yes. of Kevin Bacon in that film, to get an autographed copy of The Arab There for he Patrick Pierre. Uh, I had to send all the way to Africa, because obviously that's where that person currently still lives. Yes. Kevin Bacon did not bring him back to America no. after that. Kevin film. Bacon is a fake yeah. False yes. white savior. Six degrees of a fake. But yeah. we do have a special guest with us sitting in today, since it's Memorial Day when we're recording, uh, and she has the day off. My beautiful wife, Maritza. Once again, it's the other Eminem, Maritza Mergia. Hi, so excited to be here. So, yeah, uh, she is going to add a female perspective on some things, if needed, which it probably will be. Uh, don't get your hopes up. She won't be here every week because she does have to work for the most part. But it's a fun little joy for us this week. Right. It's good for the audience to meet uh, your obviously better half. Yeah. Then, um, <laughs> but also the uh, your... Uh, uh, financial and physical support system yes. uh, protects you, keeps you fed. Physical so, support system yes, as well. has defended you in several fights. Many fights. Uh, but I start and then yeah. run away. Some of which she caused, but you know. Yeah, well, she starts uh, some too. Yeah. But also, uh, Marissa is a you know a fan of, of hip hop, the hip hop genre, and of movies. Um, so, so Patrick yeah. actually was under the impression that she was like this giant hip hop head. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we went out to dinner after our last podcast that he like worked yeah. on and was like, oh yeah, you should be on the show and and like you know a ton about hip hop and you were kind of like, kind of. I was like, I know what Vince has told me and that's about <laughs> it. I feel like his heart looked broken after I told him that. So a lot of King Lowe's related hip hop. Essentially, yeah. yeah. But still, that's a good like start and you know, I mean like you could be like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of hip hop and then you start naming off Vanilla Ice's Track. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we did. We, we first kind of met. We did kind of bond over like some hip hop tracks. So that's yeah. like yeah. part of our story. Right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, yeah. yeah. And also like you know, there's a, you guys both for you know dancers and stuff like that. So yeah. You got yeah. your favorite like you know hip hop songs you both vibe to. So uh, it's good to have somebody on the on the show and get it a different perspective. And yeah. so uh, yeah, I'm excited. So let's roll into it right now. Uh, starting with the hip hop portion, we're going to also spin it into something that we are so excited about the NBA finals are coming up penciled in John Tasha's music 
Wow, we went really old with that. <laughs> sure, they've updated this. No, they have, but it, it doesn't compete. Same. It doesn't compete with that one. We're with you, John Tesh. Yeah, we Your love giant that theme. Forehead of yours. Exactly. So, penciled in to the NBA Finals is once again the Golden State Warriors, led by Steph Curry and his band of Hall of Famers. But oh, also, don't forget to include Kevin Durant. He will get upset if you don't include him. I don't know if he's gonna like. Is he gonna be playing? I don't know. You just gotta include him. Oh, yeah, yeah. A reporter didn't include him, and he was like, he's like, oh, how do you think about the way that they're practicing? He's like, excuse me. He's like, we are practicing. He's like, right. Okay. All right. Got to give love to Maryland's own Kevin Durant. Yep. yep. KD. Uh, speedy recovery. Uh, also, for the first time ever in NBA history, the Toronto Raptors, led by. A guy that I still kind of love, even though I shouldn't love him, Kawhi Leonard, as a Spurs fan. I know we're supposed to hate him, but I'm, I'm proud of him. Like, I want him to do well. When you said led by a uh, person, I, I thought you were going to say Drake. Oh, I love Drake. <laughs> Six guy. I got to say, like, they no. are led by Drake. <laughs> you know, they are. Drake's their leader and their massage therapist. He's, the, he's their Spike Lee. Yeah. Except Spike Lee never led them to the finals. Well, he led them to the finals, but they couldn't yeah. win. No, they couldn't. Uh, but this story actually revolves around our beloved Six God. Okay. Uh, during, six, six, six. During game six, of uh, the six guys' favorite team winning in the six. Marissa hates that nickname, the six, uh, for Toronto, so I have to say as much as possible. I do. Okay. You're annoying me. <laughs> uh, Drake, of course, sitting courtside, rallying his team, giving back rubs to the coach, but something that kind of went unbeknownst to the casual viewer, but us hip-hop heads noticed, and Chris, I think you said Chris Webber. Chris Webber called it out on the air, and I was like, I saw it when Chris Webber said it. I was like, yo, I'm I'm, I'm very happy that Chris Webber did that. And I also uh, realized that Marv Albert had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and any of the points during the reference did he not know, and he kind of just let, let him, he's like, I'll just, that's, you know, that's Chris, Chris's black moment. So what, we're, so what we're talking about, and I should point out, I didn't catch it at first. Yeah. Uh, Drake was dressed, he channeled Tupac Shakur's character from the classic basketball hip-hop film, Above the Rim, Birdie. He was dressed just like Birdie in sort of like the final basketball scene. He was Including, wearing... Including uh, the gun. Yeah, no, 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 he, he, he <laughs> wouldn't carry the strap. But he had he had the hoodie, it was like, I think it was like a 100 miles hoodie. Uh, yeah, I had it tailor-made, so it said something about Kawhi on the back. I saw that. And he also had the black bandana. He wasn't wearing it over his head until they had the championship hats at the end. And he was also wearing like the all, the all black ensemble. And he saw the side and side like, oh my god, he was paying tribute to Birdie. If you haven't seen Above the Rim, you should. But Birdie, Tupac's character, was this vicious, vicious character who was supporting this great, basketball team. Great acting. I mean, it was yeah. Tupac's playing it. The character, but anyway, it was, it, it was great, and he was kind of not exactly what Drake is to the Raptors, but he was like supporting yeah. his team and was kind of like the unofficial mascot supporter the, of, of the team, the criminal who helps out the team. Huh? Yes, exactly. As Drake is the, he's not criminal. Was I can't make any reference? No, no. He has. I think he has. People who will. Exactly. He said in songs. Chris he got has, guys. He has people that he didn't do himself. He's yeah. on hands on. Exactly. Uh, also, uh, just throwing out there, too, because we're talking about Above the Rim. I mean, it's one of the best soundtracks ever created. For Absolutely. A movie. We've talked about it on we have, uh, uh, history, yeah. hip hop yeah. history. And so, I mean, that's also one of the things I say go check that out because it's a dope soundtrack. Uh, but yeah, no, that was dope. But, um, Drake did that. Uh, you know, speaking briefly about the finals, I'm happy for Toronto. I hope they are excited about. This level of where they reached next year when they don't have Kawhi or a championship, I hope they can remember all the good times that happen right now. Because let's be honest about this, 
I would love to say, I think Kawhi can give him a game, if I'm being honest. I think Kawhi will give him a game, and that means, like, Draymond kicks him on the balls. I I have more confidence. Well, because keep in mind, I haven't, I was supposed to look this up. Uh, the Raptors swept the Warriors this year. They're the, the only team to sweep them. I don't know a lot of those games, because I know they were... The Warriors were dealing with a lot of injuries, so I don't know if they would just like sat like some players. I don't even know if Kawhi was in all those games either. Exactly. Either for a bit. Uh, and also, regular season is different from yeah, postseason. Yeah. But Kawhi knows how to play against the Warriors. He was he and the Spurs were up twenty against the Warriors when that son of a bitch Zaza Pachulia. If he dies, he mm. dies. That cheap shot, sliding the foot under. Kawhi, yeah. it, it, it ruined our team forever. No, literally, it changed the that one move that Coach Kerr told him to do. Ah, did he? I think he did. Uh, Zaza killed. Like he, he basically <laughs> that one move basically changed the outcome in the landscape of not only your team but the East in the long run. Like I mean, a lot of things are changing. Yeah, it and changed then, like, where Kawhi ends up going or whatever happens. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, so you're going to give him a game then? You're going to give him a... I mean, I, I'm i on it. Or are you going to give him a series? I might give him the series. Ooh. I mean, it's a hot take. It's a fuego take. Hot take. It's, it's Kane coming Ooh. out with the fire. I think they could conceivably shock the world. I, mean, I would be excited to see it. You know what would be funny about if that happened? Is LeBron being like, oh... Maybe it is me a little bit. Maybe it is me. Although I don't think it's you, LeBron. No, no, LeBron, you're, you, you've been taking this team to right. the edge. You heard Draymond was kind of like, it's kind of a mindfuck not seeing LeBron on the other side yeah. in the finals. It is. It also is weirdly like how the, the way that that team got to the finals is like Kawhi. I mean, I agree you have supporters who come in and whatever, but like without like Kawhi, literally it was like, he closed out the previous series with like a last minute shot. You know what I mean? Like So yeah. I, I think that, uh, yeah. Did you hear about Smash Mouth no. getting at Drake? On Twitter, didn't know that those their Smash Mouth was still alive. So, Smash Mouth like All Star Smash. Yeah, so somebody once oh told God. me that Drake is gonna roll me. The Shrek Boys. Yes, as I call them. No, we don't know about them because there hasn't been a new Shrek movie coming out, so they don't have like the song coming out. <laughs> Anything for it. to do. But they, I think they're big Warriors fans. I gotta believe they're Bay Area. But, sure. Um, it sounds like Bay Area music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they were like, "Hey Drake, you better like." Keep that sort of courtside antics in Toronto because that stuff won't fly in Oakland, which I don't think they're wrong. Like Oakland is a pretty tough area, uh, but I don't know if the Warriors. Is Oracle are... Arena? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oakland's yeah. tough yeah. outside the Oracle Arena. It's like Baltimore's tough, but Orioles fans literally aren't really the, like the Oracle tough Arena fans. mascot is this blonde woman who like dances like a white mom dances. I've seen her in multiple games. Oh, this is she's like game. dancing and like doing like stuff. I mean, she's good for like. A mother of like, you know, like two, yeah, two point five kids. Yeah, yeah. kids. Like she's doing a good job for that, and it is exciting because like, oh, look, she's cool and it's corny, but that is what I associate them. So I'm like, as far as Oakland, you ain't coming hard with nothing right now. Okay? So, so Smash Mouth is more or less threatening the Six God, and to Smash Mouth, yeah, and then they added E40 because I think they're like, oh, we'll get E40 on our side, and E40's like, yeah. get me out of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ugh. yeah. I, yeah. Me, me and Drake got some music to make. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> your career, your career is, you know, 
uh, you know, anger Drake right now. Smash Mouth's like, we have no chance of ever working with Drake, and so let's go ahead and do this. Uh, so right. you've got the Warriors winning the series? I mean, like, if I had to call it, I would say the Warriors are going to win the series. I mean, who am I rooting for? I'm rooting for Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to push for Toronto, mainly because I'm still sad about KD not going to the Wizards, which I realized was never going to happen. I'm still upset about it. It and, could happen. Um, it still could happen. It still could happen. I, I, I don't, don't want to you know, gas you up too much. I want to see something. I want to see a change happen. I want to see something different. You know what I mean? So how many games do you think? Uh, I get six. Six games. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, Marissa, who do you think is going to win? Who are you rooting for? And how many games do you think the eventual winner will take to win? So I actually think and I'm going to answer these questions a little backwards. That's fine. I think it's going to go the full seven. Okay. I think that the Warriors have too much to defend and Kawhi has too much to prove for it not to go to seven games. Okay. While I agree with Lonnie, where I think that the Warriors are probably going to take the series, and I hate saying this considering I'm a California girl, so Cal mainly, but California girl, I actually really want the Raptors to win. Just because if you want to keep basketball exciting, the Warriors cannot keep winning. Right, yeah. Like, it's just not fun it's to like watch anymore. It's like football with the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here we go again. It's like, oh, man, they're in the finals again? Like, give me a Like, why break. watch? Yeah. 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 All right. I also think it's going to go seven games. I think I've said it before. I'm actually going to put my chips on the six. Toronto, the Raptors. Don't you roll your eyes. I at, rolled my at eyes. At the six. Uh... I think it's going to be... I, I'm hoping for a hell of a series. I want it to go seven games, and I want it to be exciting. It, it'd be better for everyone in the league if it does that, because I know, especially a series without LeBron, uh, we would like to see... And I think Kawhi could be maybe not the face of the league, but in terms of talent, he's not quite LeBron, but he's someone who can give them a fight. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go with... I'm rooting for Toronto. I'm going to go for Toronto. In seven games. Yeah. All right. I don't even know where you're sitting at. (laughs) (laughs) So, moving on to our second hip-hop and movie news story, hip-hop related. Uh, Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang Clan, has been in the news lately. They've got their docuseries on Showtime of Mikes and Men, which I still need to watch. Yeah, I'm on that too. I need to watch it as well. We we should do that. Yes, maybe this weekend while Marissa is off in New York. Uh, Also, they have the uh, Of Mikes and Men EP sort of like come out at the same time to sort of parallel the release of the docuseries. And the Wu-Tang Clan has been all over the place sort of promoting just their brand. Uh, They were on Jesus and Mero. We saw their interview there. Uh, And then also, you got recently on DJ Vlad being interviewed about... Just a ton of things. Uh, DJ Vlad likes to get messy. And one of the things that came up was you guys sort of documented beef with the group and RZA in particular. I mean, legally documented beef, too. Uh, Absolutely. He sued them. Yeah. Uh, So he was asked his opinion about RZA, and he felt like RZA... He said in the past that he felt like RZA has been sort of running Wu-Tang like a dictatorship. And he also said that he feels that after the first two albums, uh, Enter 36 Chambers and Wu-Tang Forever, that all of his beats have been whack, his words, like whack beats, and haven't captured the same energy. And that's the reason why they haven't really been able to capture the same magic, his words, well, not exact words, but same sentiment 
of the first two albums. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm not... I love Wu-Tang. I love Wu-Tang. Uh, I love their music. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I don't know a ton of their back catalog in terms of, like, their B-sides and stuff, and, like, especially, like, sort of the later albums. I know, like, certain songs here and there, so I can't really speak too much on this. Um, I will a little bit, but just, like, your take on You God and the whack beat claim after the first two albums. Does he have a point, or do you think it's Well, sort of I mean, even, even without getting into anything related to the beats, I'm going to say this. It's, like, it's got to be pretty hard to be an, a member of a group of people, whether they be a large group like Wu-Tang or a group where you have like three or four people and to have that some person or some entity of that group start to stand out and do way more than some of the other members of the group and become like a figurehead, whether they push for themselves, whether people perceive them that way, whether they're the person who just like kind of is the go-getter and like doing, you know, then the public eye. Because you look at like, you can look at uh, Destiny's Child, you can look at NSYNC, you can look at all these other groups where, like, there's one person who, like, just catapults himself to the top. And, like, you know, there's always the people who do other stuff, and it's never going to be, like, quite what the, what the their main person is doing. Like, I would say the RZA is, like, the biggest person to come from the Wu-Tang. It's hard to say because then you got meth. And uh, you yeah. Got, yeah. You know, but I mean, I'm talking about, from a, let's say from a pure standpoint of able to take yourself and go to, like, no one in, in that, and Wu-Tang is doing what he's done film-wise. Right. What he's done, like, he's he's, he's done a lot. I, I'm, I'm thinking that, like, part of this, I do think it's sour grapes. And the fact that, like, you know, it's like, that, I feel like this always happens with groups when they, like, break up or whatever happens along the way. There's, like, one person comes out and says, this person and that, and I'm sure the inner turmoil that happened, we don't, we weren't able to see. Maybe they talk about it on the actual thing, and I haven't, I have yet to see the, uh, the documentary as well. But I feel like part of the sour grapes, and without me knowing too much, it just it, it's going to come off that way because I always see the person who like excels the most is the person who gets the most heat, and then sometimes the fans of them like start to hate everyone else mm-hmm. in that group and be like, oh, so you're just knocking because you don't have this, you know, whatever. And so I'm like, I feel like no matter what happened. It's going to come out that way. It's weird, though, because I would want to see how other members of the group are reacting to what you guys said. Like, right. I would love to be like, yo, what is Meth thing? What is, you know, you know. Yeah, because in this interview, is, uh, it, it, it seemed like you got, he, he sort of implied that he was talking for everybody. That's what I'm wondering. Like, are you, yeah. is he coming out straight saying he's talking for everybody? Because if he is talking for everybody, then you know that these people are going to be like, all right. Like he was saying, his quote is saying, after forever, we, we were always complaining about the music internally. It wasn't, just wasn't strong enough. It wasn't powerful enough. It wasn't big enough. And RZA just wanted to put out records under that whack production. Right. And so when you say we, like, if you're in a group of, of three people, then we know who the other person is. Yeah. So when you say we, when there's like, what is it, nine members of the group? Yeah. Right. Like eight or nine. Yeah. And that's another thing. When you have who that. When you have that many people in a group, it's inevitable that people are just going to have different visions and stuff. And someone's going to start to take a, a, the, the lead role and then, like, do stuff based upon that and what they think is the best interest of the group. But also, you could probably be like, maybe he's a little bit right and a devil's advocate. Maybe maybe Rizzo, maybe the Beast were right. Maybe, maybe Rizzo was, like, taking over. Rizzo, that's a new one. <laughs> uh, maybe Rizzo was, like, taking over and, like, you know, really doing this to help push his own career. I don't know. but And know. I, I mean, I so I looked at some of the comments in all these articles, and there's a lot of people who agree. They're like, oh, he's not wrong. I was just, again, only listening to the songs that I, I'm familiar with from these albums. I like the production. Like, the ones that RZA did. Because there's some that he didn't do. Uh, like, I know Y'all Been Warned, I think, was True Masters. But there's some other ones like Gravel Pit and some other songs that I 
can't think of at the moment that I heard and I thoroughly enjoy. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they were too poppy or, but that's another thing as a producer, like you can't, RZA can't always be making beats that he could make in 94. Or he can't make the same album. But like he's got to like sort of grow and, and change things a bit. And I've seen in other interviews you guys been like, oh yeah, I'm getting back to like, you know, the grimy raw stuff. You know, I'm not rapping about, you know, like the ladies anymore. Like I'm, I'm doing this. And it's like, there is a, there's always going to be a core fan base, especially within the Wu-Tang Clan fan base who wants you to rap and sound exactly like you did in the 90s. But, I think RZA, since he is a very smart businessman, is like, we need to sort of expand and mm-hmm. adapt as we move forward. Yeah. So you, you're, you're on the side that, like, this is possibly true, but... Yeah, like, I, I think... So what? I, I, think, I, think, I think he... Like, it could be sour grapes. I think he is speaking from a point of... I think he's speaking his truth. I think he's like, I do think it's whack. Uh, or at least lackluster. Whackluster. Uh, I think that he is, you know, saying that, like, it's not the type of music he normally probably would personally listen to or the music he wants to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, again, like, I listen to the Wu-Tang albums that I've heard. And, like, when I hear the songs that, like, Riz has done, like, I I sort of, like, went on Spotify and just, like, listened to a couple of them again, like, from, like, the third and fourth Mm -hmm. albums. I'm like, these are good. Like, these are... I consider it to be classic Wu-Tang, you know, like, good beats, good drums, you know, Wu-Tang just, like, bouncing back and forth between verses, usually no hook, just sort of straight yeah. rapping. Like, it's, I, it's, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think it's going to be hard to judge this and be like, and to be like, these are bad, and, you know what I mean? I would really have to go through and listen to everything and be like, and see what he's talking about, because I don't know if that's even the claim that people have been having, like, oh, uh, oh, man, the Wu fell off. Mm. I don't remember hearing that conversation. So since I haven't heard that conversation, I'm not saying that I should, if I haven't heard it, it's not true, but like I haven't heard that as a conversation about what's going on and what happens in the day. They, oh man, they, and they started falling off or they sold out. I didn't remember that conversation. I will say this. If he had changed, if he had said the first three albums and then after that, it kind of like started falling off, then I would more agree with him. Because yeah. then when I started listening to like the fourth album, I think, uh, Something that seemed like low energy. Yes. Yeah. Like it was maybe just like sort of at the time, that's kind of what they were feeling, but it was just like it wasn't hitting as hard. But I thought there were still like hard hitting songs on the third album. Yeah. Um, but that was just me. I think we you know we should like um, check the documentary out and Absolutely. maybe like revisit this topic later on and just like, you know, like this is our first initial take on it and then let's check out some more stuff and maybe we come back and we bring this topic back because I'm sure it's going to revisit itself and come back up. So I'm, um, you know, let's just. Tackle it again. Yes. We will always, always bring it back. Yeah. Full circle. So moving on to the movie news portion. Uh, movie star Natalie Portman. She was... Movie br- star and rapper. When I was in Harvard, I smoked weed every day. I cheated every test. I sorted all the yay. I got a deaf posse. You got a bunch of dudes. I'll sit right there on your face and take your... This is hip hop right. news. Natalie that's Portman's right. also a rapper. Yeah, that's not, that's not yeah. the one. She she has some she bars. Yeah, she throw out bars. So I want to give her credit for. Oh, you know, yeah, like those some of the more viral SNL. Yeah. Uh, the SNL digital shorts. clips. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those are great. Yeah, so thespian MC Natalie Portman uh, recently was in the news and probably not for a reason that. She would want to be in the news. Surprisingly, she was in the news. Surprisingly to herself. Yes. She she was not expecting this. 
uh, her old, I guess, friend, uh, Moby, the the DJ, musician, Eminem enemy, uh, I guess has a memoir come out recently. Uh, it was called Then. Which everyone's really excited to read. <laughs> yeah, it's on my top ten list. Yeah. Well, now I am kind of excited Over to read it, just because I kind of wanted yeah, to see stuff. his take on stuff. Uh, so it was called. It's called Then It All Fell Apart, which is kind of what his career is happening right now. Uh, in it, he mentioned his brief romance with the much younger Natalie Portman. In the book, in the memoirs, he framed it as he was like 33, 34 at the time, and Natalie Portman was 20 years old, and he was this bald binge drinker. They met backstage, and he was this beautiful movie star, and how could, but she was flirting with him, and how could anyone, you know, like her be interested in him? They kind of dated for a bit, but then it didn't work out, and so he was, I guess, self-deprecating about the relationship in the memoir. And I'll be honest, like, I remember when this all happened, the media was fitting in like they were dating. So I thought they did date. And then Natalie Portman dropped a bombshell on everyone and was like, ah, that's weird that you remember it as us dating. My only recollection of this was that you were this older, creepy man who was hanging out all the time and I felt was inappropriate, which everyone was sort of blown away by this. Moby doubled down instead of just like sort of retreating and being like, oh, God, I probably do come across as a creep. was like, no, we did date. And for proof, here are some pictures of me grinning like an idiot, shirtless, <laughs> while a very uncomfortable teenage Allie Portman it looks like she wants to escape. So they kind of went back and forth. Uh, Moby has since apologized, and I use the term apologize loosely, because, I mean, it's an apology. He apologized, but for different things. He apologized for putting her in the book without her consent. He apologized for hurting her feelings or her family, like putting them on any sort of stress or duress. And he apologized for possibly being inappropriate, like looking back and seeing the age difference, and not just the age difference, but how old she was at the time. So... Real quick, I'm going to kick it to Lonnie, but then we're going to flip it to... We have a female voice for the first time. It's the whole reason I'm here. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> going to let her start. Oh, all right, we'll start because with... Because I, oh, I don't want to... I want to give Ladies first. I mean, I can start. First. I can start. No, 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 it is so creepy. Shit, balls, cop. Perfect. Sorry. Motherfucker. Um, I just think, haven't been in that position where, like, I'm young and underage and there's some guy who's clearly older than me and he's trying to pursue something. I think, yeah, <laughs> Lonnie, you can't see it right now, but Lonnie is pointing at Vince. There For the not... record, though, we, I was overage when I met my we were husband. 23. I was 23. I was 27 when we you met. Were about to be 28 though. I was 28 when we started dating. Yes. But I was 27 when we Five met. Five years. Yeah. I'm I sorry. I'm just over here giggling and laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's it's talking like, about <laughs> the other inappropriate men who were after her when she was like in high school or fresh out of high school. Or Carlos Boozer. <laughs> oh, fucking Carlos that Boozer. Was... Sorry, inside joke. <laughs> inside joke. Carlos Boozer's agent tried to creep. I don't mind putting this dude on blast. God, okay. Carlos... <laughs> 
Carlos Boozer's agent, who was married or with a girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. tried to get with my wife, girlfriend at the time, and Marissa, always the steady rock that she is, was like, I have a boyfriend. She's like, and he goes, well, I have a girlfriend or wife or whatever it was. It's like, they don't have to know we're in, you guys are in Vegas, right? Yeah, we were in Vegas. Yeah. No. Clearly that did not stay there, because no, it's on the radio now. Fuck Carlos Boozer, fuck his agent, fuck them all. Um, in all fairness to Carlos Boozer, like, that was just this agent being creepy. Didn't, that he, was them, like, didn't he cheat on his wife that weekend? I think he also yeah, yeah, you know what? I think you're yeah, yeah, yes, okay. I take All that right. back. Right, anyway, back. Anyway, so, so, so back, back to your original story. Okay. So I think that the issue here, it's t- it's a little twofold. So you mentioned Moby's apology. In that apology, he never acknowledged the fact that she was 17 or 18 years old, which is what she said she was at the time he was trying to pursue her. And I kind of think that was on purpose where he didn't want to seem too much of a creep and aged her up to 20 because he's like, oh, well, She's no longer a teenager. She's no longer 18, 19, whatever. She's not 20 years old. And that somehow makes it just slightly better. And I think with her, he might have characterized this as dating or I'm talking to this girl. And in her mind, she's like, oh, this really cool artist wants to be friends with me, wants to be friends with me. And this is... This is great. I want to get to know him and I want to see what his creative process is, as most artists want of another artist. I think until she realized that he was trying to pursue something romantic with her, and that's when she was like, absolutely not. Because she's dealt with people putting her in a sexual light since she was 11. She's been open about this. Since she was... So she cast in the professional. Yes. Exactly. She exactly. that's the entire role of what she is. Is yeah. like, a little like there was a fucking countdown waiting till the day that she turned eighteen. So I think out of anybody <laughs> in the world, she would know what it feels like and probably back away the instant it got to that type of level. Yeah. Now, so the uh, my I'm gonna do a take on this where I presented from the idiot guy perspective for one part of this. Okay. So I have gone out with women that we've had drinks together, we like made out or hooked up and mm-hmm. this has continued. And we're not a couple. We're, we're dating. In yeah. my, sorry. In my mind we're dating. Mm-hmm. Now if this person later on says we weren't together, we just went out and had a couple drinks, the story can alter and change. Now I know my story is completely different than his, but for someone who, as he described himself, a bald, like, losery binge drinker. Like, he might see it as this thing where she's so interested in me. And I know as a guy who sometimes if you are not, if you feel like someone's showing a little bit of interest in you and they are out of your league, you will sometimes over, you'll make this more than what it actually is. Yeah. And so I, if he, if he pursued her, this is where, if he pursued her when 17, then the conversation's done. If, if she's 18 and he says she's 20, you messed the age up. You did it on purpose. Right. But if she have legal age, I know he's creepy. I know it's whatever. But I'm like, as long as everything's legal, I think that now we're talking about, like, what's wrong and what's right, what's, what's, what feels wrong and what feels right. But not actually, did he do anything illegal? Yeah. Like, I don't think he didn't. I don't think Bobby did anything illegal here. Right. Yeah. I think it's more of the creep factor. And let's be honest about this. Is there any person out there who is not creeped out by Bobby? No. Right? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, like, we all... I think the thing that the reason why this is drawn out more is because, first of all, if you don't talk about someone like this in your book and not tell this person or not clear through them, like, you're a celebrity. This is going to be 
looked at and get out, especially in the era of what's going on now with Me Too. So you're just kind of like, you're an idiot. You're, you're in the wrong, you're an idiot. And if you've made this, in his mind, he might be telling the same next story she told, but from different perspectives. It seems like they are telling the same story. Both things happened, what they yeah. said happened, but nowhere near like what they're saying happened. Yeah. So I think this is more about him being super creepy. Is this a big story? It's one of those things for me where it's like, Look, there's creepy guys, and I joked about this before we talked about it on the air, and I've said this several times. I'm using the word joke, but honestly, I kind of slightly believe this. Certain people don't think they're doing anything wrong. Right. Certain people are born to America, and they don't think they're doing anything wrong. And I'll be very clear, because I know sometimes I like to be very clear. White men. White men <laughs> are, just so everyone knows, white men can sometimes be born and have these ideas that they aren't doing anything wrong. They haven't been accused of things or have to go through life the same ways and have to be looked at or judged. Or like, you know, I'm, I'm taking the train home today and the guy asked me, he's like, do you have a ticket? His ticket. He's like, I'm like, yeah, I have a ticket. And he's like, okay. He's like, I'm like, I can show you again. I've already done this. I got on the train in San Diego. And he's like, no, no, I trust you. Now, in my mind, maybe he's absolutely just doing his job, but I feel like he's singling me out because I'm a black man as a white man and this is how I feel like I've grown up in America so I don't know if Moby's had to deal with any of this so his whole like creep behavior certain things we know we can't do and you know if I'm a 30 something old man I don't care if I am if I was a 30, 30 something old black musician and I'm, same, I'm famous and whatever and I'm kind of same zone you know I still have to be cautious with that yeah. I'm more cautious because I'm like uh, she can say whatever she wants so I think that this, if anything, is a wake-up call for these people to, like, wake up, pay attention, realize that you might be doing something that is inappropriate, and you really got to look at yourself and what you're doing, and your age range, and who you're talking to, and the things you say, and the jokes, and the flirtation, and the rubbing of the back, all these things. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to look at it, and you can't just be oblivious. I didn't know. I just, that's how I greet people, Joe Biden. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... Sorry. Uh, you were going to say yeah. something? So I completely agree with you, Lonnie, in terms of that there exist people in this world who are just so blinded by their privilege that they don't realize it. I think the reason why the story stuck a nerve, besides the level of celebrity of people that are involved in the story, is the fact that Moby seems like someone who's going to present himself as a feminist ally and then goes ahead and does and pulls this type of bullshit. Yeah. Like I'm just like, it, there's just a certain there's like a certain strain of misogynism that men not and not all men, but some men who want to call themselves feminist ally, they do so, but they still look down on women, and it's kind of worse with them than someone yeah. who's like overtly misogynist because half the time they don't even realize that they're being misogynistic. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think it's interesting. We have to move on because we're a little over time, but I think it's interesting. I get the appeal of Natalie. Portman because I've had a crush on her ever since the professional and it's not it's not creepy because she is a year older than me oh no we good so so she's always the same age like sexual awakening with her is fine totally get it but uh, did you hear the story about how I forget his name and I don't think it's that important but the author who left his wife for Natalie Portman Jonathan Fuller or something like that maybe yeah uh so some author left his wife for Natalie Portman, even though they were not having an affair. Natalie Portman was already married to the guy she's still married to, and was just like, oh, I think we're in love. I want to pursue this. And then when he approached Natalie Portman about this, she was like, God, no. What? No. What? But, <laughs> I, but I just think this proves my point, as like she's coming at it from a creative perspective, and being like, I want to know what you're like because I there's something about your artistry that I find fascinating. And yet men 
these men specifically construe that as romantic. Yeah. We, there's also a small thing that we may, maybe a small mythical thing we're leaving out here that maybe. Uh, Natalie Portman is a uh, a fairy like mythical mythical creature who she appears before you like men literally like siren song like where they're just like they have no like you know what I mean like they yeah. go to dumb I, I hate I'm not excusing this at all but I'm like if Natalie Portman said something to me even passing I might be like I think this is it guys yeah. now am I gonna go and be creepy about it and pursue it and leave my wife. No, I'm not doing that because I'm not married. <laughs> like, but you know what I'm saying? So, uh, anyway, uh, Eminem was right. Moby, you know, yeah. you're a creep. Yeah. You're going to stop at Obi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, this week we have a, a movie review. Uh, Maritza and I were able to catch the new Disney reimagining of the live action Aladdin. And we are going to tell Lonnie about it and either recommend it or not recommend it. Okay. Uh, so, the new Aladdin is longer than the original Aladdin. Yes. They had to pad it out a lot. Um, it's like two hours long or something. Yeah. Whereas the original, like, all old Disney movies were like barely over an hour. They don't want you to get, yeah. Just... Like, they were like 70, they were like a lean 70, 80 minutes. Yeah. And this one, they have to just keep busting th- seats, I guess. Uh, so we saw it. I had high hopes for it going in. Everyone was kind of down on it and Will Smith being the genie. I, I thought it had a lot of potential. Uh, going into it, what did you think possibly of Aladdin? I think I was leaning more towards like, this is nostalgic because it just reminds me so much of my childhood that to your point about the genie and Will Smith, if you're going into this movie thinking that he has to outshine Robin Williams, it's not going to do anything for you. You have to go into it with a fresh perspective, even though it does strike that nostalgic level. You just have to kind of appreciate that Will Smith is going to have his own take on the genie. Right. Uh, So I thought, we talked about this, I felt the movie started kind of slow. Yeah. And it was weird because even though it started slow, it seemed very rushed. Like they just kind of jumped from like, set piece to set piece it was just like a lot of things in terms of connecting the they, dots they bohemian rhapsody yeah exactly yes, yes. It, it, that actually an incredible sort of parallel there mm-hmm. uh, they rushed up but it still took a while as much as they rushed it it took a while to pick up it was like what am I watching I wasn't a fan of the guy playing Aladdin early on he just sort of seemed like there uh, yeah, like, like sort of like a pretty boy who was just like hey trust me and like wasn't really putting anything into it mm. and I think because of that uh, the girl played Jasmine Naomi Scott uh, like she's good but I think that she just didn't have a lot to work with early on and again it was very rushed it didn't pick up until Will Smith yeah. showed up and you're then, absolutely right about and that and then when Will Smith showed up this is exactly what I thought Will Smith was going to do. I thought he was going to make it his own. He was going to take elements of, like, Fresh Prince mm-hmm. Will Smith and Mike Lowry Will Smith and Independence Day Will Smith and sort of, like, have that same type of energy. And he totally did. And every time he came on screen and every scene he was in, he, like, gave it a good punch in the arm. And it wasn't... It was different, and I read an article. He, it was different from Robin Williams. He was terrified. He's like, I don't want to do the same thing Robin Williams did. But he wanted Who to can? Add, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he wanted to add, like, a hip-hop element to it. Mm-hmm. And he did. It wasn't, like, overt. It wasn't, like, oh, my God. It wasn't Shaq and Shazam or Kazam. No, Kazam. 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 <laughs> uh, 
it wasn't it wasn't that but it was like oh he has like little moments like where he's like doing the Prince Ali song he's like brushing his shoulders off he's like dancing he's he's Will Smith in this but it it, it works whereas uh, and and, um, I have nothing much to say about the new movie but to throw in there Robin Williams was Robin Williams as a genie. Yeah. It was Robin Williams on Robin Williams yeah. as a genie. So it's like, that's what we want, that's what we want to see. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I read an article that said that when they were originally crafting the animated Aladdin, they actually ended up changing a lot of the script to fit what Robin Williams was doing as the genie. Which was not following the script. <laughs> yeah, which was not following the script. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of R-rated stuff in there, too. They're like, this is a Disney movie, Robin. Yeah, we gotta you cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, and then once Will Smith came on, I felt that the actor playing Aladdin kind of stepped it up too. Mm-hmm. Like, so like Will Smith was sort of like LeBron, where maybe not this season, but like he brings <laughs> other players up and it, like they're all better. So like the chemistry between him and Will Smith were like much better. Uh, Nassim Pedrad from SNL was in it. Oh really? Uh, as she was a, good. As, she was as a really new good. character, yeah. she was like. Uh, Handmade into Princess Jasmine. Yeah, yeah. They were like good friends, and she was hilarious. Uh, The guy who played Jafar, I know, kind of caused a stir on social media because the ladies apparently thought he was just a thirst trap and more attractive than the Latin. And we're like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to go into this movie and be rooting for Jasmine (laughs) to get with Jafar. And but this dude was such a piece of shit. In the movie, that like no one was thirsty after him. We're like, oh, so he did a good job. Yeah, he, he did his job. He, he did a good job. He definitely did a good job. The movie was very similar to the original, but they also like did their own things. Yeah. Like there are certain, they kind of, it's the same thing. Like there's no spoilers here because everyone knows how Aladdin ends yeah. and what it's about. But there are different ways to ways, sort of go yeah, about yeah. it. Okay. Um, but yeah, before we give the rating, was there anything? Oh. I wanted to talk about the new song. Oh, yeah. So, in Aladdin, Jasmine has a solo song, which is not in the original movie. Because women didn't have rights then. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, it was, around, they don't have them now. It was interesting. I'm going to say, I think I'm just going to stick with that word, interesting, because it... All the other musical numbers in Aladdin have this tinge of like Middle Eastern music, whether that's like a guitar or whatever instruments they use. And this one was straight up Broadway, but not in a sense that like it kind of took me away from the film whenever she would sing mm. this song, just simply because it didn't sound like it belonged in the movie. She sang it twice. Yeah. It did, like now that you mention it, well, you mentioned it before, but like now connected, it kind of sounded like a Defying Gravity type song. It, it totally did. Yeah. Uh, no, no joke. That's a song I had in my head right now when you were talking about how Broadway was. I, I, I've not seen this movie. I literally was thinking of that's the song that I think about. It, 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 about. That element. It was, so it was a yeah. good song. Yeah. It was a good. It was song. good. She she killed she, it, especially the second time she did it. Yeah, she crushed. She's got an amazing it. Voice. In, in terms of the acting and the emotion in it, and then the voice, she knocked it out of the park. So it happened when I guess spoiler alert, whatever. It's when Jafar takes over. He he gets the lamp fit. He's in charge. And the Sultan is out of power, and and he has the guards arrest Jasmine for like trying to stand up to him, and she starts singing the song again, and it becomes a sort of weird fantasy, like her imagining. Yeah, so like the the guards got like snapped by Thanos because they sort of just 
turn into dust and disappear. Yeah. And then she's saying, oh, I'm not lying. That's what happened. No, that is literally what happened. Honestly, if that's still in the MCU, the time frame could still be there. Maybe, maybe, this, yeah. maybe this is before Endgame. <laughs> so she sings it, and it, it, the song is called Speechless, and it's about how she wants to be, the, like, Salton wants to be in charge, but, you know... Because she wants to take care of her people. Yeah, yeah, and she's the best qualified for it, but because for thousands of years women haven't been doing it, they're like, oh, we can't allow it, you know. So she feels like, I feel like I'm not being heard. So she's, it's a very, it's, it's supposed to be a very empowering moment. And again, the song is great, and she kills it. And as I'm watching this, I felt like a douchebag dude being mm-hmm. like, I get the point you're trying to make, but I don't think this is working. So I kept my mouth shut, and then I asked my wife afterwards, I was like, what did you think of this? And she basically said the same thing. Like, I, I appreciate where they were going with it, okay. but I'm not sure really okay. Better or worse than the uh, in-game Unity Women's March against Thanos that oh, came that, from that is a good But I love that scene. Right, yeah, but, right. I... but I talked to, a friend of mine, I talked to this, and she was like, I loved it, I liked it. She's like, it was forced. I'm, I'm okay with it. She's like, but it was like, how are you all just now together here? And no, I mean it was totally forced. But I'm saying one thing yeah. clearly, Hollywood put that in there as a they didn't necessarily all of a sudden here. Yeah, cool. I'll say this: Endgame was way better. Not, not, not just the movie. I'm saying I'm talking scene, comparing the scene. The scene. Yeah. yeah, because at least that like got you like oh like when I saw that I was like yes, yeah. and then later it'd be like oh, maybe it was a little forced. Gratuitous, yeah. yeah. But I felt like with Aladdin, automatically I was like. No, this is forced. <laughs> yeah, I I think I have to agree with you. I just, I want to like the song coming from a female perspective yeah. and being like, yes, we've all had those moments of being speechless and wanting to be heard. It was just so, and again, I think my biggest issue is the fact that the music didn't seem to fit with all the other songs, that it would like take me out of the movie. Like, I'm like, am yeah. I watching something from my childhood or am I watching a brand new like Broadway play? So... On this, we do a scale here, uh, zero to three ticket stubs. Zero means trash, mm-hmm. don't recommend it, never see this movie. One is like pretty good, maybe go see it like by yourself, it's fine. Two ticket stubs is like pretty good, like go on a date, see it. Three is have to see it and by everyone you know, go see it. So on a scale of zero to three ticket stubs, what would you give this movie? I think I would give it two stick- okay. ticket stops. Because, again, you're going for the nostalgic factor. You're going because this will literally make you feel like a kid again. Will Smith kills his, kills it as his own iteration of the genie. And that alone is worth saying. I agree. It was a lot of fun. It was it was so much fun. When people ask me how it was, I'm like, it was a lot of fun. You definitely laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the parts that like, bogged it down, like really bogged it down mm-hmm. and stuff that didn't work, really didn't work. So I'd probably lean more towards a one. It's still good. I would still say go see it. Uh, but like you don't have to rush out to see it. It's just one of those kind of like, eh, wait till it comes out on, I guess, the Disney stream, Disney Plus. Disney Plus, uh, which we're going to get. Yeah. So we're like that. You guys are all into it already. Absolutely. Yep. Our, we already know. You already know. We're... Yeah, we're locked in. Yeah, sold the first baby. <laughs> we're not having children. Take we our baby. We just want to keep just, going to yeah. Disneyland. It, it, is, like that. it is cheaper to go to Disneyland and get Disney Plus than it is to have kids. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll get the same amount of joy. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm like a, you know, I'm a, I'm a 
Smithsonian. Smithsonian. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan already. Yeah. So I will pretty much go see whatever Will Smith produces. Uh, and one, supporting him and his career, but also supporting a black actor who Hollywood respects. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'm. First of all, like I already said this, I think I said it on air. Uh, I was creeped out by Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I, when I first saw Blue Will Smith, I was creeped out. Like, yeah. legitimately, I was like, if I was a kid, it would scare me. Uh, so I'm excited to know that this at least is fun to watch and not just something where you're like dragging yourself through it. That and you're like, like, it wasn't like, oh, it's two hours long. And like, it so, didn't feel like two hours. So I'm excited to see that, you know, Will Smith do that. So uh, I, you know, based upon the. So wait, you gave, you gave it two. I gave, and it you're, two. gave it a one. You gave it a one? Yeah. I told you, I'm trying to be tougher. On my all right, so ratings. so it's for me. It's 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 a uh, wait till it goes on DVD and then I'll stream it illegally, yeah. or, or or go to Valley Regency. Do it's so a matinee show. Yeah, it's you, okay. Good. We should that should be another category. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's second run theater or first run. Yeah, theater, exactly. You know what I mean? Which would you, you know, still want to see in theater? Don't pay full price. Go five dollar Tuesdays or you know discount thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, all right, nice, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. that brings us. Oh wait, how is uh like that's uh, what it, like, an animated characters, the carpet, the Iago, like how are the other like carpet was great. Yeah, carpet was essentially carpet from the animated yeah, okay. series. Like even though yeah. he doesn't speak, a little like sarcastic in his yeah, movements. Exactly. Um, Iago was a kind of a letdown oh, because yeah. he just kind of repeated Alan did the voice. Yeah. yeah. But he wasn't given much to do. No, he wow. wasn't. Because, like, I mean, Yago in the animator was voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. And he was hilarious in that. Like, he, he actually had, spoke. He, yeah, he spoke. Yeah, that's and why I'm this, it was just like, this one was really just, like, a parrot. to repeated everything that was said. Oh, like they that really kind of, did that? Yeah. Abu was cute. So. Okay. Uh, Raja was cool. Just Raja cause he, was cool. Because he was a big... Big cuddly tiger. And we love cats. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, but yeah. Now, it, we hate comparing to the cartoon. Because it's a cartoon. Like, you do so much more with cartoons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But for live action, it was... Okay. It was All right. good. Yeah. Like it. All right. So that brings us to Song of the Week this week. Mm-hmm. This week's Song of the Week is Joyner Lucas. Joyner Lucas squashing his beef with Logic <sighs> yeah. to bring you the track... Six times for the kids like me who got ADHD. Just a couple hearses. Double homicide kill to be anniversary. I was shocked when I for those of you who don't know, Joyner Lucas is an up-and-coming rapper. It's great. He did I'm not not a racist. I'm a big fan, actually. He's worked with them. He's he's really talented, he's really good. And I like his messages in his song. He me. did a song with Logic, Marilyn's own. Marilyn's own Logic. Uh, former Song of the Week recipient. Him and Eminem, yeah. Yeah, and so they worked on the song Sriracha. It was a Tech 9 remix, and they started beefing over that just based on, I think, like Logic wasn't getting the song out in time. It, they were just beefing. It, was, it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like a true hip hop. It wasn't like a the same. Right? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like that. Uh, so they weren't getting along. So I was shocked when I saw that they had a new song and a video together. Yeah, I mean, there's some themes, thematic. There's some themes in the video that like play into the beef. Yeah. And also, would like the point you know where like when Logic's doing his verse and like Jordan's behind him with the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so, the, I mean, not to mention too that like the, the video is like. It's called ISIS. Yes. I like that Jordan Lucas is putting out songs to basically be like, it's almost like slapping like 
I want to say white America in the face, <laughs> a white Republican America almost in the face, but just generally, he's like, it's like kind of a wake up thing. So calling your song ISIS and talking about beef and like what's going on. You and I were texting about song of the week. I was yeah. like, oh, I fuck with ISIS. And yeah. Like, no, 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 not like that. Yeah. It's the song. Yeah. But... Right. You're gonna disappear in the middle of the night. Now. <laughs> exactly. The song, right? It's confusing. The Joyner Lucas song. Right, right. Uh, but it, 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 it's really, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked. I mean, I think both of them have such ridiculous flow, and it just kind of. I like I, I like the whole idea too. Like I remember I tweeted someone like, "What's beef?" You know what I mean? Basically, like I like yeah. the fact that this is about like getting rid of beef, but also um, I think both we vocal of them are really just like on point on this. I would I want to see more. I want to you know I like these collaborations. I you know I have a feeling this is not a biased uh, Maryland thing DMV thing from us, but I think we're gonna have logic on here more often. Probably. I want to have join on more so. Um, this yeah, I feel like this is definitely a um, a banger for a, a song of the week. I'm... Yeah, definitely check it out. The video is very high energy too. It, yeah, it's it's, a, it's like sort of new school beats, but like old school type, not old school flow, but old school lyricism. If like, you have military ties, this might you know, I don't know how you feel about this. Yeah, but uh, oh, and then that being said, also happy Memorial Day. This is be recorded on Memorial oh, yeah, Day. Oh, happy so. Memorial Day! Thank yeah. you. Yeah, happy Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah respect to all those who. Uh, sacrificed and, and lost our lives yeah. serving our great country and for our freedom. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to say anything. That's probably the best. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a good chance for me to steer into. Wait, what's that? You made your choices. You say yeah. what? Do, do I hear Mozart in the background? Because when you hear Mozart, you know what time it is. That's right. This is this week in hip hop history. History, history. It is the classy portion of the show. The classiest like portion. It got classier. This we're really stepping up the class. We've I mean, we're full up. of class all the time. Yeah, but like so we're classy. really up in yeah. it. Well, that, that was a sort of patronizing awe. Well, she's assuming that she's classed it up is what yeah, she's thinking. That's, oh, that's what I was referring to. Oh, yeah. I did not even think about that. Wow. God, my own husband. That's why I class here. I should have married, yeah. married Lonnie. Yeah, right? yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> we would have had beautiful babies together. Oh, Lonnie. I know. If, yeah. if, if my dad's speech at the engagement party didn't tip you off. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he was saying you would have married Lonnie. Yeah, he's like, you had your options here. Yeah. You chose You chose poorly. Like, he's like, wait, you met both of them at, at the same, same time. Same yeah, well, he's like half Mexican, though, so. I mean... Not like you know, that ultimately matters, but yeah. He's, yeah. so he's got he's got to get it works. Moving on to hip hop history, yeah. the week of May twentieth to the twenty sixth, starting off with May twentieth, nineteen ninety one, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the genie himself, the Fresh Prince Will Smith, released the smash single "Summertime." It became a worldwide hit. Still, summer. It's played today. every single summer. Every and single it's summer. Not, and I don't care if people were younger. This is a uh, it's a sign of summer for me. Like play at the beach, the barbecue. It, and I don't care if you were like if you were like, hey, Will Smith is whack and he's cheesy and whatever. You still bang. He kind of sounded like Rakim on this. Yeah. Like, he, like just the it's flow and everything. No, like, no, he he sounded lyrically great. Uh, Rolling Stone declared it uh, to be not. At the time, but like later, like in 2009 or something, 
to be hip hop's finest summer celebration, and I mm-hmm. I can't even think of another one. No. I can't. It's the best one. It's, it's, it's the one. summer anthem. It's on my phone. Yeah. as part of my playlist. And it's one of those things too that like you could play it around some people who are like you know some guys who just shot someone, or you can play it around your mom in the on the minivan on the way yeah. to the beach. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like it's got that. It is a total crossover hit. It won uh, best rap performance by a duo or group at the '92 Grammys. Nice. And so since '91 and '92, the present day, the fact that it still has legs. Uh, that's the epitome of awesome. class. Yeah. Is it really the summer if you're not playing summertime? No, it okay. really isn't. I think it has to be on. Yeah, I've heard it sometimes played not during the summer. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's a little weird. But I guess in L.A. because the weather's always the same. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty much summer. Rotation. But I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, like, wait, wait till June, uh, K-Day. <laughs> wait a second. Uh, also, I like the idea of back in the day when you used to go to the mall and get a short set. It's a matching pair of shorts and shirt combination. Mm, I was about to ask what a short set <laughs> A short was. set. When you go to, you know, get me a short set, you know, it, it's a combination outfit. Because back in 92... And then you wear your Timberlands with That's that. what I'm saying. Yeah. Things were combination outfits. You could buy the whole thing on a rack together, boom, you're set and ready to go. Yep. That's exactly. a short set. Uh, May 23rd, 1983. Coca-Cola. Birthday Sorry, my birthday year. Oh. Happy birthday to my sister, May 23rd. But not 83. No, 89. Yeah. She's old now. Uh, May 23rd, uh, Coca-Cola and WBLS in New York co-sponsored the Tin Apple After Dark Dance and Rap Contest at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. This marked the first time that Radio City Music Hall, the legendary venue, showcased hip-hop music. It was also the first time a corporation in Coca-Cola sponsored a hip-hop event. So I read about this, and they like sort of brought everyone in, and the contest was eventually won by a group called the Disco Three, mm. who would eventually go on to become the Fat Fat Boys Boys. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Disorderlies, please watch it. Or don't. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I was reading about this. Uh, so they, the guy who ran this event became their manager. And then they toured as the Disco 3. And on tour, the only places that were open late at night when they were done were like McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King. So they ate and they gained a ton of weight. They were kind of like decent size before and then they blew up. They were the regular size boys. Yeah. And And then the manager was like, you should change your name to the Fat Boys, which is kind of insulting. Insulting, yeah. Also... You should have got them a doctor. Yes. You should have got them to a doctor. Yeah. But I don't know if the name change worked, but they blew up after that. Oh, yeah. And then they were an amazing movie called Disorderlies, which you... Now, did they that, like, P-H-A-T? No, no they were not. P-H-A-T Oh, they, they is... leaned in all the way. No, they were... Okay. Well, yeah. that, there was no P-H-A-T. There was no... When someone said you were fat back then, you weren't like, oh, she's fat. No, you were fat. Okay. Yeah. You were Got fat. It. So yeah. they were the fat boys. All right. Uh, also, May 23rd, 1995... Looney's released the classic single I Got Five on it. Yeah. It was the group's debut single. It became a major rap and crossover hit, reaching the top 10 on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the R&B chart. Went platinum and, of course, was reworked into Jordan Peele's Us to very haunting effect. Oh, such a great, such a great yeah. song. Also a song that gets played a lot. Maybe it's just because we're in L.A., but I feel like that's also a song that just a classic yeah. and still holds. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, artists we, only artists at this point that we've interviewed, uh, Styles Freely, a.k.a. Quentin Crable, uh, did a drop a verse over the 500 beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of great responses. It's one of those things that if you can spit over it and, like, 
hit it, it's like it's almost like a you know, it's a sign that you, you got that you even got skills. Basically. Exactly. So, uh, uh, speaking of got skills, uh, Eminem, May twenty third, two thousand, releases his second. I guess third album, but second one under Aftermath, Dr. Dre. The Marshall Mathers LP. I feel this album, he was already big with Slim Shady LP, but this one was like, you're not a fluke. You're not a one-hit wonder or one-album wonder. Like, you're a bona fide superstar at this point. It went diamond, which is sold over 22 million units worldwide. Hit songs such as The Real Slim Shady, The Way I Am, Stand, Helped It Win, uh... At the Grammys, it was nominated for Album of the Year, won for Best Rap Album of the Year. I remember in high school when this, um, I'm dating myself, when this album came out, and The Real Slim Shady came out, I was driving with my friends, and we were listening to 92Q in Baltimore, and The Real Slim Shady came on, and we listened to it, we rapped along, we're like, oh, that was great. We switched over to 95.5, because we were WPGC able to, cause, cause we were able to get some of the DC stations where we were, and literally at that exact moment, not even missing a step, it just started from the beginning again. The real Slim Shady. So we're like, all right, we sang it again. Then we're like, all right, where else do we switch to? So we switched to 102.7 XYZ in Baltimore, which is like sort of the pop, R&B, hip hop station at the time. And it was real Slim Shady again. We listened to it three consecutive times in a row without beat. Like now I've kind of gotten tired of it. But at the time when it came out, it was so big that we were like, yeah. just listen to it. And all I would say, thank God for Eminem that he was a white rapper because uh, you were played on every station. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like there were songs, there were stations that wouldn't normally play rap and they were like, Let's give this Eminem kid a shot. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, but it, it it did. It was a uh, it was it was amazing. And like you said, like I think also probably a lot of people look back to that album and be like, yo, this is pivotal for uh, hip hop and everything. Exactly. So, uh, it's considered a classic. Might be his best album. Yeah. Uh, then on May twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine. Speaking of classic albums, Slick Rick releases the Art of Storytelling. It is to this date his highest charting album ever. Features kind of a who's who of 80s, 90s hip-hop. We got Snoop Dogg, Big Boy from Outkast, Nas, Cannabis, Raekwon, Peter Guns, Q-Tip, and one of my personal favorites, Redman, to name a few. It reached number eight on the Billboard 200 and number one on the R&B hip-hop charts in 99. And you were saying... Oh, I think it, I mean, first of all, I think it could have gone higher than that. I think it's uh, first of all, Slick Rick was one of those people who is like Slick Rick is like kind of a that, that, that not like Nick Dog, but that sense where everyone wants to work with you, everyone wants to work with you, and just I don't we really haven't had someone who can like vocally do what Slick Rick is doing like in that way of like vibing through a song and just like like it is art storytelling. I feel like his album is one where it's not just rapping; it is literally like a journey. And uh, I, I'm personally a fan of that album. Uh, I don't think it gets enough credit, so I'm glad that we are giving Slick Rick some credit right now for everything he's Absolutely. done. Um, one of the best storytellers of all time. Also, one of the best dressers, stylish dude. Like to put on a Kango hat with an eye patch and a gold chain and just like be like, "Hey, how you doing, baby?" You know, yeah. The whole style of like everything Slick Rick was about was like it fit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, props to him. So that concludes this week in hip hop history. This week, there's so many hip hop history tidbits that we come across, whether it's birthdays or album releases, we can't fit them all on the show. So make sure to check out our Instagram and our Twitter page, Hip Hop Movie News. We're trying, we're doing a better job of updating and keeping those little hip hop history tidbits as well as other great content. Yeah, questions, we're, we're constantly throwing out questions uh, to the fan base and like, you know, who's your 
favorite rapper turn actor, things like that. We really uh, in, enjoy the engagement and um, want to continue to do that. And so subscribe to us. I did a big blast to all my Facebook friends harassing them, being like, check I this out. I noticed that, yeah. So check yeah. us out on Facebook as well, Hip Hop and yeah. Movie News. I just think the show's at a really good point right now where, you know, I want people to hear it. and I want Tell your to, friends yeah. about me. Yeah, I want them to give me some pointers about what they think's going on and how they like the show and then try to get more people listening to what we are enjoying doing. Uh, it was great having Maritza here today. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank you. This is thank so you. much fun. Yeah. Out of yes. Uh, we'll, we'll miss you in the upcoming episodes. You'll be here in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that does it for us this week. I am Vince Eustace. I'm Lonnie Finley. I'm Maritza Marigia. So just chill till the next episode. Yes, yes, y'all.